Amen. So last week, this is where we left off last week, uh, we said that the greatest days uh, or the days with the greatest potential in 2022, I'm trying to get to the first slide here, are the, the days that we gather together as a family. Remember, that's where we left off. And so <clears throat> that leads us into the conversation we're going to have this morning. Now, these are all, uh, all of the conversations we'll have over the next probably uh, six weeks or so. They all sort of connect together, obviously, but at the same time, uh, these are uh, passages of Scripture that a lot of people like to just avoid, don't want to spend the time and effort to really understand and dive into. But we are uh, not like those people. We want to dive into everything that God has to say, no matter what it is, and receive it with joy because of who says it. So think about how when we look at the Bible, when we read the words that the God of the universe has given us, it creates something in us where when we look ahead, we see better days. See, the Bible will create optimism it produces hope in the spirit of people who are indwelled by his spirit and so it doesn't matter how bleak the the news may be on the television listen God is a God of of hope and when you know him and when you read his word listen we see a day through the lens of scripture when the entire Gulf Coast will be utterly saturated, utterly saturated by the goodness and glory of God. And God doesn't fail at His plans. We do, but God doesn't. God doesn't fail. And God's mission doesn't fail. And here's a mission statement God gives us in Habakkuk chapter 2. I don't know. It's all you. I can't move anything up there. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. You see that? So what we see is that's God's mission, and God's going to accomplish His mission. Regardless of what it may look like today in, in, to, to human eyes, regardless of what uh, people may say, listen, and here's, here's the, the, the challenge for us in the midst of living in a dark and broken world with lots of things to worry about and lots of things to fret about and lots of things to, to get wrapped up in. But then reading a Bible and, and taking in this living word and realizing that God has this amazing mission statement and purpose and that he won't fail at what he's doing. And then in this context in Corinth, we have people who are in that same tension. And what God's been showing us is that they're struggling in who they are. They're struggling in their identity. And that's what happens with us. You see, you can get your listening guides out. The first thing I want us to see, the first principle to set the tone for today is that believing things that aren't true will always result in doing things that aren't right. 
Believing things that aren't true will always result in doing things that aren't right. Because what we do is based on what we believe. And so we have to make sure that we're, we understand and believe the truth. Not that we say we believe because our, our, our actions aren't based on our words. Our actions are based on our beliefs. And those two things aren't always the same. And it's the same struggle here. So today what we're going to talk about is knowing who we are. So that we can then live in the fullness of all that God intended for us. See, people are oftentimes very confused about who they are. And the reason for that is simple. Nine times out of ten, it simply boils down to because we're trying desperately to be what others think we ought to be. That's a huge stumbling block. Or we're trying to be what we think other people want us to be. And so what we're going to see is that God is uniquely designed each of us, each and every one of his children, for a special role in his mission and how he does that, what that looks like. See, there's freedom. There is such freedom in knowing who we are. My prayer for all of us together is that we would all, in 2022, embrace, understand who we are. Not just who we are, but who you, each and every one of you are. That you would know who you are. And that you would live that out. Rather than trying this impossible task of trying to be something that you were never intended to be. Because that's never going to work. Now look at how this plays out. Look at verse 1. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. The Bible says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now hold, just stop right there for a second. First thing the Apostle Paul does is he says, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters. First thing. He uses, now listen, this is a, a church that is all tangled up in all sorts of division and disunity and confusion and because they don't know who they are and so they're acting like who they were and it's just a big, there's a bunch of messy things going on. And here we go again. This reminder. This reminder that we are a family of unlimited potential. That's your next blank. We are a family of unlimited potential potential he wants to start out by saying hey listen concerning spiritual gifts family family that's important you need to know that because you can't have a conversation about spiritual gifts if you don't know that you're part of a family 
And it's a family of unlimited potential. Regardless of how you may feel, regardless of what people said about you or have told you about yourself or, or whatever the case may be, that's the truth. The truth is, is that every child of God is adopted into a family of unlimited potential. That's a big thing to know and to understand and to believe. And look, notice he says, I do not want you to be ignorant. So what does that tell us? See, he says you're a family, and then he says, I don't want you to be ignorant, which is just confirmation of what I just got done saying, that you can be something but be ignorant of it. You see, it doesn't mean that, that you're, you're not something. It's just that you're ignorant. You don't know who you are, you see? And so he reminds them of who they were. Look at who they, look at who we were. That's who we were. We were pagans carried away by dumb idols. That's who every one of us was before God saved us. Every one of us. That's our heritage right there. That's who we were, but that's not who we are. And so the biggest miracle is the fact that we've been made into the family of Christ. That is a miracle right there. That immediately tells us. We don't need to know anything beyond that to know this is a family unlike any other family. And clearly any family, any family that can bring me, I don't know about you, but me from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light is a family of unlimited potential because it would take unlimited potential to redeem me. I'm not sure how I feel about all that amening that part. It was kind of a dagger. Now listen, see, I think that God invented the human family, the institution of family, as a training ground for all of these conversations. I think God's intention for us to be born into, we, we talked about this last week, but we see that, that the, the family is, is, in so many ways, it prepares us for how we should relate to one another as a faith family. See, families work best when they don't ignore their differences. They work best when they celebrate them. See, the, the most solid families celebrate their differences, their uniqueness within the family. See, a healthy family builds up its weakest members without tearing down its strongest members. That's healthy. That's a great picture of what the faith family looks like. And so here we are, the, the recipients of this miraculous transformation where we were these people carried away by dumb idols, but now... And here's the thing, notice, we can't, we can't even declare... Jesus is Lord. We can't do that with just our mouth. That's what verse 3 is saying. It, God has to enable that. The Spirit of God has to bring us to a place where we can say that. So how Paul now is going to explain the making and the magnitude of this family is really just a, 
This is just a mind-blowing thing. I want you to look down at verse 12. Look down at verse 12. And I want to show you how he's going to give us the making and magnitude of this. And so that everything in between the first three verses and then down to 12 and 13 all fit together. Look at verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. Now, I want you to underline in your Bible that last part. So also is Christ. So also is Christ. That's very important. Because notice what this verse says. This verse is saying, literally now, that, that we're, there's this body of many members talking about us. And then what Paul says is, it is Christ's body. It's not like Christ's body. It is Christ's body. That's what he's saying. Now, if we're the body of Christ, well, that's just fraught with opportunities for all sorts of problems and struggles and challenges. And I mean, it would only make sense if we're Christ's body that God would then equip us when we come into the family when we, when we come into the body, we become the body of Christ. The only way that's going to work is if God equips us to function in this new role. Because we clearly, because who were we? We were led away by dumb idols. So something's got to change. So what happens is the Holy Spirit enables Christ's body to function correctly. The Holy Spirit is the mechanism by which the people who used to be led away by dumb idols but are now miraculously part of this family of unlimited potential, how do we take advantage of the potential? How do we tap into the potential? We have to be enabled by the Spirit of God to do that. And the way God does that is he uses what the Bible would refer to as spiritual gifts. So we could say it this way, that God's power on display in God's people, in God's pilgrimage. That's really what this looks like. God's power on display in God's people, in God's pilgrimage. See, it's, it's all together. It's the power of God and the people of God as they're walking in the pilgrimage. That God's laid out. Now how does all this come together? Well it happens. The way I refer to it is. uh, The only way it makes sense to me. Is it happens by collision. Because that's essentially. Well that's what happens. So look at verse 13. Here's the collision. So we have the making and the magnitude. Look at verse 13. So, for by one Spirit we're all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. Now, get your pen out, and let's take note in your Bible of a couple things. Underline baptized for By one spirit, we're all baptized. Underline baptized. And then in the last part, underline, we've been made to drink. Underline drink. Baptized and drink. 
And then make a notation in your Bible so that you can remember this going down the road. Here's the collision. Baptized, that word baptized means immersion, to be immersed in, right? So when we were baptized, we were immersed in or that he was all around us, right? We were immersed in. And then to drink is different than being immersed in. To drink is to take in, right? So we were immersed in, and then to drink means indwelt, internalization. You see that? So in baptism, he got all around you, and in drinking, he got inside you. So that's the magnitude of what's happened, see? God put his presence into all of his children. That's what he does. He puts his presence into all of his children. So what does that mean? Well, don't, don't, don't think like, you know, you're like this is just, oh yeah, it makes sense because it doesn't. Stop for a minute and just ponder the reality that the limitless, boundless, eternal, powerful God dwells in weak, finite, fallible, ignorant men, women, boys, girls who live in sin-infected bodies. That is a collision of, I don't know if there's a bigger collision. So can we just agree that if, if the great God of the universe is going, is going to indwell this vessel, that's a recipe for disaster. It's a recipe for disaster. Because I'm very familiar with what the capacity of this vessel is to do harm. And so when those two things collide, now, you see, it would be different if it's not, it, it would be different if the collision, when, when the collision happened, we just went straight to heaven and we were in a glorified body. And then now that would just be amazing and perfect and not a recipe for disaster. But that's not how this works. So now we're in this in between. The God of the universe, all of his power, all of his glory, his greatness, his might is now resident in frail, fallen creatures that were made of dust. God wasn't made of dust. We were made of dust. Well, half of us were. The other half were made of ribs. But either way, we were made of junk. Think about it. I mean, that, that is a, that's a problematic situation. So, of course, that, why, do you think, why do you think that spiritual gifts is so misunderstood, so misused, cause so many problems? Cause, because of this conversation. Of course, people are going to mess this up. Of course, this is going to be an area of great division, distraction. And, of course... Satan's going to want to attack this particular area because of the importance of it. You see, it all makes sense.
But not only, not only do we, uh, are we a part of a family of unlimited potential, but then next we belong to a God of unlimited potential. And that's what we have to remember. Is that, yes, this seems like a recipe for disaster until you realize the lengths to which God has gone to in order to enable us to be what we were meant to be, for us to exist in our identity, for us to walk in His power and His truth and His Spirit. Yeah. So look, look at verse 4. Now, we're, now we'll do the middle part. Verse 4. So there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit, underlined Spirit. We're going to write on our Bibles a little bit today. Verse 5, there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord, underline Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but in, the, but in the same God who makes them all in all, underline God. So you got Spirit, Lord, God. You know what that is? The Trinity. It's right there. So who's involved in this spiritual process? The Trinity. We call this spiritual gifts, but understand the Trinity is involved in this process. The Trinity is involved in making sure the body of Christ functions as it should, that it's equipped, that it can. That, so that listen, any time that, that the body of Christ is not functioning the way that God intended for it to function or not, not uh, doing the things that God uh, called it to do or there's any it's always us it's never him it's always us God is utterly look at how devoted he is to this process look at verse 7 but the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning the spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Now do you know what we do? This is what we do. This is how we get ourselves into the mess that we oftentimes end up in. We read what I just read. And then we start going, Ooh, well, what does that gift? What does that gift do? What does that gift do? What does that gift do? And what you and there, and what you want me to do now is spend the rest of our time talking about what these gifts are and explaining them to you so you know how they, and, and us having a big conversation about it, and then we'll miss the point, just like last week. That's why gender's gotten so tangled up. Because if you miss the point, then all the specifics are going to just wreck you. See, when I was in school, some of you will find this hard to believe. Not that I was in school, but that when I was in school, or maybe that when I was in school, when I was in school, 
I was never in the gifted program. And I'll be honest with you, uh, you know, I'd like to tell you that I didn't care and it doesn't bother me, and, but it did. And here's why. It wouldn't have bothered me if they said, look, Tony, you're not in the advanced program. Got it. I already knew I wasn't in the advanced program. If it was called the advanced program, I wouldn't even have asked about it or tested for it or been interested in it or anything. But the gifted kids. So you're saying I'm not gifted? That's kind of harsh. Because I knew I wasn't as smart as a lot of kids in school. But I was gifted. See, they could do some things better than me, but they couldn't do all things better than me. And so I just remember, I just remember this process of, and of being a kid and just real, you know, just kind of trying to wrestle with this thing like, man, I'm not gifted. It's a terrible thing to, to think you're not gifted. And it's, it's a very unbiblical thing to say. So these gifts that Paul's talking about, well, well, what are they? Well, understand, these aren't, these aren't natural talents or abilities. That's not, not what these are. These aren't something that we choose. God doesn't give us a menu and we, you know, choose the gifts that we want to have or something like that. No. Every follower of Jesus, every child of God in the family of God has gifts. And each one of them is unique. They're all unique. And, and here's what I mean. Look at, uh, this will come up on the screen. 1 Corinthians 7, 7 says, But each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. You see? And so the Bible is very clear and goes to great lengths to get us to understand that there are gifts. So two people could have the same gift, but those gifts will not function the same. They won't look the same because the two people aren't the same. That's what the Bible teaches. That's important for us to understand. It's just like... The whole conversation we had last week about gender. I could have used the same outline. I could have said the same three things. I could have said different is good. Different is intentional. And number three, different is reflective. Could have used the same outline for this. Same thing for spiritual gifts. It's good. That it's different. It's intentionally different. And it's different to be reflective. That God does this on purpose. Now, what, now, now, sometimes our gifts may complement some natural ability that we have. Sure. 
a, a spiritual gift. We're going to get into this uh, hot and heavy the next, next week and the week after that. But I didn't uh, put this on your listening guide, but we'll talk about it next week. But a spiritual gift is, is the, it's the supernatural ways that God's Spirit works through God's children to glorify God's Son in God's pilgrimage. That's what it is. It's a manifestation of the Spirit. So it's, it's, a, it's an enabling of God's children through the Spirit. Always to glorify the Son in the process of pilgrimage. So spiritual gifts... Work to the benefit of the body, not the believer. They work to the benefit of the body, not the believer. Boy, has that caused a lot of problems. A lot of people have gotten this totally tangled up and missed the whole point because they didn't understand this principle. You see... Here's, what, here's, here's the way you would understand it. Now, I couldn't say this to anybody else, but I could say it to you. If, if we get spiritual gifts wrong, if we, if we ignore spiritual gifts, or if we misuse spiritual gifts, then we're going to miss pilgrimage. We're not, we're not going to be on pilgrimage. We'll get pilgrimage wrong every time. Because you can't be on pilgrimage unless you're on Board on point with God's giftedness because the gifts are what enables us to be able to accomplish what God's called us to in pilgrimage. See? So, if we are the body, then think of it, here's another way to think of it. God's body won't look right. It can't function right. If we're not operating in spiritual giftedness. Because why? Well, remember what we said in the beginning? Listen, we're, we're, still, we're still in this flesh that was led away to dumb idols. So if you think for one second we have any hope of looking like the body of Christ in our flesh, there's, that's, there's zero chance of that in there. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So see, that all these, these things hang in the balance. And here's how you miss it. You miss it when people start getting tangled up in the specific gifts and start worrying about all these things, and they miss the fact that they're not for the believer. They're for the body. Look at verse 7. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for what reason? For your profit, for your benefit? No, for the benefit of all. That's what it is. So when we operate in our spiritual giftedness, does it benefit us? Yes, but that's secondary. Do you know that when you operate in your spiritual giftedness, you're not the first benefit? Others benefit first, and then you benefit. 
Because others benefiting, why, why is that? It has to be that way, why? Because others benefiting is the verification that we're actually using it correctly. So it's a big deal. Uh, let's see, this verse will come up on the screen. 1 Peter 4. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. You see that? And, and that's in Romans chapter 12. That's everywhere you see uh, in the Scripture talking about spiritual giftedness. It's the same message every time. Every gift is given for the purpose of building up others. That's the primary reason behind it. They're not for our own use. Spiritual gifts, listen, this is another big error. There's no such thing as a spiritual gift for private. There's no such thing as that. That is some ridiculous man-made concept. It does not exist. It's not for private. It's for us. It's for the body. It's for each other. So you see, what I'm saying is that you have gifts that someone else needs, and you benefit from gifts that someone else has. And this is how they work. This is the intention. You have gifts that someone else needs, and you benefit from gifts that someone else has. This is why, you see, this is why we always are so emphatic about talking in Michael Memorial about the importance of community. Because if you separate yourself from community, you do two things. You disconnect yourself from the giftedness of the body, and you disconnect yourself from the giftedness in you. Listen, the, the reason why when we get together, that community is different from getting together you know, with the people that you work with or getting together at the lodge or getting together at, at, at a football game or getting together at any other thing. It's different. The spiritual giftedness within the body is what makes the community transformative. And so if you have a community of people that's not embracing and operating in spiritual giftedness, there will be no transformation, which is exactly why there's so many churches that are dead as a hammer. The reason for that is, is that, listen, you can have all of the, the, the hyped-up excitement in the world, but it's not going to transform anybody. Transformation is a product of God's people together operating in God's giftedness. That's what transformation, that's how it works. That's what we're, that's really the, the biggest thing that we spur on in each other. Is that you know, do you know, first of all, well, I'm going to get ahead of myself. Let's just take a time out. 
If we use our gifts to serve ourselves, not only will they not help anyone, but they won't help us. Well, you can't do that. But when we use them to serve others, everyone wins and everyone benefits. Okay, look at verse 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the workings of miracles, by, to another prophecy, to another discerning spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. So you see that there's all of these gifts that are going on. And, and there is no exhaustive list in the Bible of spiritual gifts, which is why every time the Bible talks about spiritual gifts, it's a different list. So if God wanted us to know that these are the spiritual gifts, these and these alone are the spiritual gifts, he would have given us a definitive list. Because he did that with a lot of other things, but not with spiritual gifts. Every time it's a different list. Every time there's nuances in it. I think God's trying to tell us something about spiritual gifts. Now listen, here's the analogy that I always use with regards to this conversation. The, the best way I know to explain this is peewee football. Is peewee football is, is, I just remember watching my son, you know, when he was little, put those pads on, you know, and he, like a bobblehead with that big helmet and go out there. And this whole process unfold. And what happens is a bunch of kids sign up for peewee football, whatever age that is when they start. And they all run out there and they all are excited and they all want to be a part of it. And man, they, you know, they got these jerseys and these pads and these helmets, you know. And so they're all pumped like they're little gladiators, you know what I mean? And they go out there and they don't know the first thing about anything, but they are excited. And everybody's running around and happy, and the coach is talking to them and run them through some drills and stuff. And, you know, and everybody loves football until. It comes time for collision. You know what you do? You put half the boys on this side and you put half the boys on this side. And the coach stands in the middle. He blows the whistle. And the next two run full speed head first into each other. And you notice something right then. You notice there's a bunch of kids that won't be back next week. They didn't know that was what football was. They're out. And some kids are like, oh, yeah. I've been waiting for this. I think the way it went with Cameron was he was like, Dad, you mean I can hit people as hard as I want and I won't get in trouble? I go, that's why we love football. <laughs> See, there's a lot of people. Peewee football looks like church. There's a lot of people 
that are running around church and they like the songs and they like the uniform and they like the idea about being part of the team, but they don't like contact. They don't want contact. They just want to run around in circles and look like, you know, they're just doing something. But see, when the Spirit of God, when the, when the, when the giftedness of God comes upon you and starts working through you, what does it create? Collision. Because here's what happens. It's just a natural byproduct. You don't have to go to school. You don't have to read a book about it. You don't, it just creates collision. Because when the spiritual gifts start working through our lives... Do you know what we start doing? It doesn't even matter because I said there's, there's all of these gifts and they all function differently inside of you. It doesn't matter. All gifts do the same thing. They all create collision because every gift in operation in the life of a spirit, in the life of a spirit-filled person begins to collide with that which is broken. In other words, a spiritual gift forces you to collide with broken things, you become a missile of mending. Spiritual gifts mend. They mend. So, so, for example, we'll get into all this later on, but for example, if you have the spiritual gift of encouragement, then when you walk into the sanctuary and you see somebody sitting over there by themselves, you, you go to them to mend that situation. And you sit down and you say, so you, you're mending that loneliness. And you're, hey, how are you? I'm so-and-so. It's good to have you here. It's, that's the function of that gift. And so spiritual gifts, they collide with our loneliness or our brokenness or our need for healing or our need for our suffering or whatever the case may be. See, if you have the spiritual gift of of giving, you are in a constant collision with other people's needs. But there's a lot of people that don't like collision. You can't, you can't function in the spiritual gifts without collision any more than you can play football without collision. It's impossible. You see, now, because we came into this as somebody, we have to remember, we, we have to understand that spiritual gifts don't, de or, or our spiritual gifts aren't determined by who we are. See, because we're somebody, our, our life outside of Christ was a real life with real experiences, with real ups, real downs, real, real highs, real lows, and they created something in us, and we bring that to the table, okay? And so, so who we are, our personality and who we are don't determine our giftedness, but it shapes the expression of giftedness. So what I want you to understand before we move on in these weeks to come is that God hasn't gifted you in accordance with your personality. God gifts you and me in accordance with one thing and one thing only, His will. 
but your personality is, affects the expression of that gift and how it comes out. Does that make sense? So think of it this way. Again, these are things I'm going to be talking in depth about. Spiritual gifts, these next blanks on your handout. Spiritual gifts are discovered through opportunity and grown through faithfulness. So I just want, I just want to leave you today with this understanding of, uh, if you leave here today and you're wondering like, man, how do I, how do I, you know, how do I figure out? Some of you maybe have some ideas about how you're gifted. Some of you have no idea about how you're gifted. But everybody in the room is gifted, and we all have a responsibility to figure this out. And if you're trying to figure out, now, how do I move forward? How do I figure this out? How do I? Number one, far and away, above everything else, I've been watching this happen for 25 years. I promise you, the vast majority of spiritual giftedness that I've observed God draw out of people, it comes through opportunity. That is the number one way. You don't, you don't need to take a spiritual gifts test. You can. It's helpful. But you don't need to. You don't need to read up on them. You don't. If all you hear today is opportunity, you'll be on the right track. God puts you in a specific place to accomplish a specific thing. And the way that he's going to lead you to the discovery of your spiritual gifts is going to be through opportunity. The biggest mistake you make is when you see opportunity and don't take it. Every person in this room that is functioning in their spiritual giftedness, I'll guarantee you, they found it through opportunity. That's how it happens. You think I just woke up one day and said, hey, you know what I think I want to do? <laughs> but when some guy I never met before tapped me on the shoulder and said, you know, we need a kid's Sunday school teacher. Now, had I known Jeremy Hill was going to be in that class, I probably would have ran the other way. <laughs> but you see, there was an opportunity. Was I scared? Yes. Did I want to? No. Now, I, I mean, I, my kids were tiny babies. I don't know anything about this, but it was an opportunity. It was a need, and I stepped into it. And that's where this gift was discovered. Opportunities. And you grow them through faithfulness. See, if you're, maybe you have an idea about how you're gifted, but your gift hasn't been growing, it's because you lack faithfulness. I promise you. I promise you 100%. You lack faithfulness. Gifts grow in the garden of faithfulness. That's how they grow. Look at verse 11. And then we'll be done. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as how? He wills. Skip down to verse 18. But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. See that? Opportunity. I cannot overstress. Every time, listen, the supernatural God of the universe, it would be so easy for him to make 
He could just make Michael Memorial run like a well-oiled machine so easy without using any of us. It would be so easy for him. So listen to what I'm about to say, and then we'll be done. Every time in this church, every time there is a need, it's because God is trying to get someone's attention. It's not just a need. It's for one of us. That's what God's doing. That's why he does that. So this whole notion of some of you have made some huge mistakes in the past. And I hope they're all in the past and not anymore in the future. And you've said things like, you know, that's just not my gift. Every time I hear that, I think, man, what if I'd have said that? That is, the, that is a mistake, mistake, mistake. There's a gift. There's a need. There's a person. So he made each of us uniquely, individually, to be his kids. See, I think about 1 Corinthians 1, verse 27, where the Bible says he chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and he chose the weak in the world to shame the strong. He chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are. See, what happens is God walks out on the playground, And he goes to the, you know, the kid like me who's just sitting there playing in the dirt because he don't know any better. And he taps me on the shoulder and he says, Tony, you're gifted. He, he, he reached down. In that moment of salvation, he said, you know what? You're gifted. You're gifted. Maybe the world didn't have a lot of use for you, but I do. Maybe it was all, you know, a lot of, uh, of, of hurt and pain in the past, but okay. I can work through that. I'll, I'll use your gifts to express through that in your past. Now, some of you were very gifted in school. But you never found fulfillment or satisfaction in that giftedness and God comes and taps you and says hey you're gifted in a whole new way you're gifted in a way that's gonna it's gonna fulfill you it's gonna it's gonna bring something in you that you haven't experienced before you know every one of God's children is in God's gifted program everyone all of us So what we want to do is we want to be open to what God wants to do in us. And so as we think about these things, we don't think ahead to what God might say next week or the week after that, but what God said today to you. Let's stand and bow our heads.